We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's good, everybody? Before we get started on today's episode with Alan, big ups to the members of the Patreon. We got Nick Chavez, Christopher Velasquez, Daniel Gibson, Derek Pleates, Jake Powers, Devin Rendon, Corey Johnson Hoops, Mike Wozniak, and Ryan Pisner. If you want to join the Patreon, gain access to episodes early, you can get the six-pack. You can get Monday's episode with my my guy Joseph, my guy Jay from Complex. He's on the pod, and we, we go for close to two hours, man. That was a really fun conversation. We talk about a lot of different stuff. And access to the Discord, I think I said that already. Voice crack, time for bed. Um, what else we got? Contest giveaways, merch giveaways, shout-outs, tables, ladders, and chairs. You get it all with the Patreon and all your money is well spent it goes back into funding this studio uh big shout out to blue wire pods blue wire network kevin and the team signing that deal with the win really really dope a podcast studio is going to be built at the win casino in las vegas and i couldn't be more happy for kevin man that dude's a hustler in every sense of the word and he's he's just a man so shout out to blue wire for that one really cool stuff and also also, I want to announce that I partnered up with this app called Locker Room. Really dope app. Weekly thing that I'm going to be doing. So if you download the app Locker Room, you search my name at The Lamb Show or Nick Dais, whichever one uh, pops up. But every Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern time, I'll be hopping on. We had some people from the Discord come in, the VM Discord. And it was really cool. MP joined me on the last one with my buddy Rick. And we were just talking about a d- bunch of different topics. But it's going to be audio only. You can join in on the conversation. It's a really cool app. So definitely check out Locker Room and give us a follow there. So <clears throat> with all that being said, today's episode, Alan is back in. Dude, I haven't seen Alan since like the NFC title game preview show. Because 
the Super Bowl. We ended up doing the Zoom. And it was the first time that I've seen Alan uh, since then. I mean, that weekend, we also watched the Connor fight together. But regardless, don't want to digress too much. Uh, we talk about NFL free agents, man. A deep dive into some of the big name free agents. We talk about J.J. Watt in that contract. I come up with a crazy theory on Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. Um, I'm really proud about that. I'm proud of that one a lot. So definitely would love to hear your feedback. And then also we preview UFC 259. If you guys aren't UFC fans, this is the card to tune in. Stack top to bottom. It is unbelievable. Three title fights. Arguably one of the goats in MMA, Adesanya, is fighting. And it, it was fun. It was nice to talk a little UFC with Alan. So sit back, relax, congrats, and enjoy this episode of Veterans Minimum. is back my guy what's going on free agency is almost upon us yeah pretty much what next week right or i think it's the 17th 17th yeah last year it started on my birthday march 11th that's also when covid hit like (laughs) that was the nba night utah jazz oklahoma city thunder the jazz training staff comes out and they tell the thunder we got to cancel the game because Rudy G. Yeah, about to say the whole hand thing. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, you know, my birthday, he didn't get to hang out or do anything because COVID. So thanks yeah. a lot, Corona. Yeah, it's crazy. The one year, I guess, anniversary's come up, but I don't know. I feel like we're making steady progress or at least we're making adjustments to have some sort of enjoyment in our lives. Dude, this <laughs> is the first time I see you since the conference championship games. Right. Because the Super Bowl, we recorded it over Zoom mm-hmm. because we got pummeled with snow yeah my car didn't move for like three weeks but we hung out obviously during Con- uh, mcgregor poirier yeah that was a fun night yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then we got a pay-per-view coming up this weekend which is gonna be fucking fire i can't All wait right. to get to that and stipe and gone was like three weeks later how you feeling about that just early anything involving gone makes me nervous immediately yeah and especially now like he's three years more polished since the last fight that's what people have to take into account and yeah. I think Stipe has taken some severe punishments since then, mm-hmm. and he's a lot slower than he was back in 2018. Because you were obviously there for that fight, and you saw how agile Stipe was, and just he was just taking Ngannou post to post. Now I don't know. Like Stipe, he's been in some wars since then. Yeah, he has. It's basically been the trilogy with DC, right? Correct. That's those are all his fights that he's had. Correct. Yeah, pretty much once a year. Yeah. Man, that's going to be interesting. There's, dude, there's a lot of good fights coming up, man. But we're going to save the UFC talk towards right. the tail end. I don't want to get too sidetracked. Um, so, this is the first time Alan comes in studio in a couple of weeks. He also had to text me to make sure he knew where the address was for this place because it's been so long. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so, let's start off with J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt signing with the Arizona Cardinals. Thoughts? All things considered, contract, team he picked. How you feeling about J.J. Watt going there? Uh, excited, yet I don't think this puts Arizona anywhere near towards being a contender or a legit contender. I think it's an exciting move. I think it's going to make the NFC West even more of a ferocious division. 
you know, the pairing between him and Chandler Jones. Good luck, good luck trying to stop that. But I think there's a lot more work to be done in Arizona for them to be a real contender. And I think, yes, Watt got paid, and I'm glad he did. But I just think if you want to win now, Arizona was not the choice. You should have went to Buffalo or Green Bay. But, you know, Arizona does offer exciting opportunity, and, you know, Arizona's going to compete. There's no denying that. But I just look at that team, I'm like, I can't see them beating three or four MC teams, whether it's Green Bay, Los Angeles, or even Tampa Bay, of course. It's just there's a lot more work to be done. I don't trust Cliff Kingsbury either. So that's why I'm a little skeptical. But at the same time, it's hard not to look at the decision and be like, okay, this is exciting because Arizona's got star talent. There's no denying it. The best-kept secret or I guess the most underrated thing of last year was how good Arizona's defense was also. Like their defense was – They played a AFC East and NFC East. So you think it was a little inflated? Yeah. Mm, uh, because fair. outside of Chandler Jones, Buda Baker – there isn't a whole lot of top level talent. Isaiah Simmons didn't, couldn't really find his fit first year. Patrick Pearson fall off a cliff. That's why he's not being resigned. Like, there's still have major questions in the secondary. Outside of Jones and Baker, uh, I know Hassan Reich had a breakout year, but I'm not sure if he's going to be brought back. And then Marcus Golden's also a free agent. I just think there's so much work that needs to be done in Arizona. That's a good point. Yeah, depending yeah. on who you faced. Yeah, so those numbers were a little inflated. I mean, you mentioned all the teams that were pretty much contenders in the nfc and i mean you gotta expect san francisco to be better we know the rams are going to be better seattle is going to be just as good so forget the landscape of the nfc which is already west. It's just the west alone you know you, you potentially might go nine and seven ten and six and not make the playoffs if you're looking at that division the way the way it's it, it seems i think so there's a lot of things to break down and i feel like jj watt going there he hasn't been the J.J. Watt of of old, right? He's also gotten a lot older, injuries. Missed 32 games. Right. My thing is, it's the Justin Verlander effect, right? Justin Verlander was on the Detroit Tigers, and he was kind of shitting the bed there. But it was more so, he gets traded and goes to the Houston Astros. And I made this comparison way back in the day, how I remember Boss and Tim were on the show, and they were talking about how, like, ah, I don't know if it's going to be a good fit or if it's going to work. It's like, dude... Don't look at his production the last couple of years because I think one thing you need to factor in in this move is this dude's going to be rejuvenated going to a team now that I don't want to say they're a contender, even though I was high on Arizona last year. They are in better positions to win than he would be in Houston. So you don't think that plays a factor into him being like, yo, you know what? I'm not going to win four games this year. He's going to have a lot more opportunities to rush the passer compared to because think about with Houston. like They were trailing almost every game last year. And obviously limits your opportunities. So I think with a better coaching staff, a better overall talent, you know, Watt's going to do his thing there. I still think he's playing at a high level. He's not the game record that he was from 2012 2015. But he's someone you could slide inside on passing down, someone that could play the edge as well. He's going to bring it. It's just, I don't know, I want to see Watt in the Super Bowl. And I two-year contract there. Like I, cause he, The thing is, he's 31 years old. Like He needs to do it now. This isn't a player that's 27 uh, you know, has the four or five year contract, you time to develop for me. It's it's got to be now for him, unless who knows what happens. But that's why I'm a little like, eh. But at the same time, it's definitely an exciting move though, because look, Arizona, they're gonna be on prime time a lot, and we want to see these awesome pairings. And him and Chandler Jones, like Chandler Jones, people haven't paid attention enough. Like he's been arguably before 
this past year where he missed most of the season, he was like leading the league in sacks. Like he's mm-hmm. been the most terrifying edge rusher in the league. It's just Arizona's not been competitive, but he's been having 16, 18 sack seasons. And I think to this day, Bill Belichick, his biggest, one of his biggest regrets is trading him. So uh, pairing Jones and Watt in that division with so much defensive talent, that that's probably the biggest highlight for me. And it'll be fun just to watch him again. But I just look at teams like Buffalo and Green Bay, I'm like, ooh, they have a chance to play in February now. Arizona, I just don't see it. Yeah, you need a lot to happen for that to yeah. be the scenario. And I know I saw a graphic that he texted Kyler Murray and he said, I believe in you, that's why I picked this destination, which is hard to, what, you don't believe in Aaron Rodgers? You clearly chase the money in this situation. Yeah. I heard Buffalo was the biggest competitor. Hmm. Yeah. That would have been interesting. I think also, a weaker perfect. conference, too. Right. NFC is stacked, bro. It's a war zone. Yeah. That's why what Tampa Bay did is so impressive. Three road games. I know no fans, but still, they had to play two extremely talented teams. Okay. Remaining free agents. I want to sort of just run through a couple of names. Um, I guess we could say we're ranking them or just off the top, just like names that I think stick out. Mm-hmm. Man, I feel like, you know, I did a deep dive on it, Allen Robinson. Yo, you can make a strong case that he's a top five receiver in the league. Right. I just don't think he's going to hit the market. Right. Yeah. With Allen Robinson, you know, in the last three years, he's third in the league in receiving yards which is considering everything he's put up with that's what i'm saying that's fucking wild bro yeah. he's up there with d hop and uh stefan diggs durability is a big thing and he never misses a snap he's always on the field yeah outside of the one year where he tore his acl right. outside of that he's relatively healthy yeah and i mean look at the the quarterbacks this guy has had his whole career bortles Foles, trubisky mm-hmm. I mean, you're putting production up like that. PFF put up a, another graphic that said he's had the 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 best like catch to drop radius mm-hmm. of anyone in the league yeah. too. Him and like D Hop as well. I also saw a stat where he I think it was ranked like 62nd in like percentage of like most catchable passes in his direction. Like I think the, the stat was like 52% of passes to him were deemed catchable, which just goes to show you how awful the quarterback plays had to deal with. So, no, he's the complete package. And I think you saw this year, he could do some serious damage in the slot. He's not just outside receiver anymore. So, yeah, he's the real deal. I just, I don't know what to expect. I assume Chicago's going to franchise him, but who knows if he pushes for a trade. Like, it's a very, very uncertain situation because he said, like, they haven't even contacted him since. That can't be good. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like. There's, and there's no clarity on the quarterback situation there. Like, I saw Ryan Pace was doing an interview today, and nothing came of it. And it's like, I don't know who could they get a quarterback at this point. It would have to be a trade, right? Yeah, like a Sam Darnold. That's the best thing I could think of. What do you think of these rumors of Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson being being moved? I know they're linked to Chicago also. Yeah. Do you buy that? I don't buy anything into Wilson. I think he's just frustrated, but I think they're going to figure it out. But uh, obviously, Watson, there's major pull right there. I think we know Watson's going to be moved at some point. But Wilson, I think it's just more of like a negotiation tool and just wanting more uh, of a say in personnel decisions and overall direction of the offense. 
I was thinking about this because I knew we were going to talk about the Watson and just like free agents and also like Russell Wilson at the time that we put the show together, the, the reports came out a little after. Number one, can you think of a better duo at wide receiver in the league that he would be leaving if he leaves Seattle? Lockett and Metcalf. The only yeah. one I can think of is like Kelsey and Hill, but I'm excluding that because yeah. Kelsey's a tight end. Yeah, like if, if Mike Evans was three years younger, I'd put Evans and Godwin. Godwin's still there. The reason but, why yeah. I excluded them is yeah. because he's a free agent also. Right. So I'm talking about like with, with all I, things intact going mm-hmm. into next year. Like Julio really is pretty sweet. Oh, bastard. Like, I love me some Julio. It's pretty sweet there, but Julio. yeah. Oh, you want to talk about bad cap situations? Lennon's right up there. But Bro, the Giants spent the third most money on offense last year in the NFL. And they had the fifteenth best offense in the NFC. Like Golden Tate contracts, bad. In the NFC. In the NFC. Guys, there's sixteen teams in the NFC. Who's worse, Chicago? Or I don't remember. I, when I saw that, I was like, enough. Jason Garrett, Daniel Jones, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Future Endeavor, every single one of them. <laughs> get, get them yeah. the fuck out of here. Well, I don't like. I just think Wilson's frustrated with the state of Seattle because they. I think the past two years, like they've started out the season like as one of the biggest. Uh, baddest contenders like they were everything was firing all cylinders and i feel like once november hit they kind of w- went slowly downhill you haven't seen you didn't see the same amount of explosive plays they were generating in september october and just that playoff loss against the rams like they were beaten pretty definitively by a team that really didn't have a quarterback and now you i think wilson recognizes like this division teams get better uh-huh. well, seattle it's like yeah we made the big splash for jamal adams and there's a couple of like Metcalf's improving, but you just don't see the roster as a whole gelling. Like you don't see many young players emerging out of Seattle, like you see out of San Francisco or the Rams and then the Cardinals. Like I just feel like Seattle, a lot of the pressure is on Wilson to be as great as he is for them to win ten games. The only logical explanation, and, and I thought long and hard about this, and I think I'm about to drop gems, Alan. I think the only logical explanation to Russell Wilson and Watson being moved by their teams because ultimately it's going to be the team's decision to move on from them, right? Mm -hmm. And they're both top seven quarterbacks in the league, maybe even higher. I would say five. Top five? Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with you there. So my theory is the only logical explanation to Watson and Wilson being shipped out to different teams would be if these organizations, the Texans and the Seahawks, have an honest conversation with themselves. Both of them are pretty rough draft capital hell right now, right? Like they don't have many assets moving forward. Maybe if you're Seattle and you're Houston, you're saying to yourself, what's our ceiling with these guys as currently constructed our teams? You're going to win your division and get bounced in the first round. You're going to win six games if you're Houston. And maybe you want to move from them to get new you're being generous to six wins. Right. Well, Houston th- th- that's <laughs> only that's only improving my theory yeah, on yeah, this yeah. one. Where if you're Seattle and you're Houston and you're saying to yourself, yeah, look, we can't do much with these guys. We have no draft capital. Let's get rid of them. It's going to suck. Everyone's going to make fun of us. Yo, how do you give up on Wilson and Watson? But I'm going to accumulate all these draft picks because some of the rumors, I mean, dude, you saw what Stafford went for. Mm-hmm. Watson and Wilson are going to go for more than that. And then you do a rebuild from there. I just I just think there's still something special in Seattle, and they're always going to compete. And you just 
you never know when it'll click. Obviously, it's been pretty disheartening how Seattle, I think, the past two years have gone out. Like, they haven't gone out in any dramatic fashion. They were just completely outplayed by both Green Bay and the Rams the past two years. But I still still think, like, there's the, the unity in Seattle is still strong. And, like, I just can't picture Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson breaking up. It's just more of, I think, they got to get more on the same page when it comes to wanting Wilson uh, just you know, be more, you know, just be more aggressive with the offense. And I think I heard something that he was actually unhappy about Brian Schottenheimer getting fired, which was kind of weird considering I think Brian Schottenheimer is one of the reasons why they were held back so <laughs> long. But I don't know. There's, there's definitely some uncertainty there. But I just, I can't, I still view Seattle as like a top five NFC team and they're always going to be in the picture. So that's why I don't think they should necessarily blow things up. I think that's that would be a real rash decision, especially with the roster talent they have. Like they still can compete. It's just they got to start drafting better. I know they don't have much draft capital, but you know John Schneider, they've 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 done it before. Why can't they do it again? Leonard Williams, how upset should I be when the Giants give him twenty one million a year? There's no way he get that. That's what he's his asking price. Really? Is. He's not like an edge rusher. He's more of like you know one of those versatile D linemen. You know he rushes inside, plays a run outside. Like it's coming off his best year. I know, but can he really command that money? Like, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, like I just, I just don't see him like as that dominant player. I know, look, players are gonna get paid and everything, and you know, get paid. But I just, I can't see an organization making that push. I know Gettleman is really attached to him because they traded for him, and then they got put the franchise tag on him. But ooh, no, twenty-one million—that'd be bad. Like, we're like, we're not talking about like a top ten player. Like, he's a good piece. He's gonna work. He's uh, definitely possessed a lot of power. Like I, he was, he was legitimately good last year. But you know, he's never someone that's been dominant. I think his rookie year he showed flashes of dominance, but since then he's been nowhere near that. Yeah, so, I don't know. I, guys, guys yeah. like him worry me a lot when they ball out in their contract year because then they get paid and then it's, you know, like you said, he showed flashes. His I was gonna say freshman Jesus, yeah. his rookie year yeah. he showed flashes, and then his contract year he showed his ceiling. I guess. Mm-hmm. And then everything in between was kind of mediocre, for most part, yeah. Like, so who, what player are you exactly? Yeah, it's very rare that you see some shit happen with Matt Ryan, bro. Where like Matt Ryan, ten years into the league, wins MVP, or was he eight years, eight nine years, like around there? He got drafted in 08. Yeah, wins it twenty sixteen. So like eight years, eight yeah. nine years into the yeah. league, it's very rare that you see that. Usually the guy has won it by his fifth year, mm-hmm. or you've seen his absolute ceiling. So I don't know. I'm very nervous about this one. Because I, t- I think if you want to pay someone that much money, they got to be the centerpiece of your defense, and he's just not a player yeah. you in that way. Yeah, like, yeah. I think he's a good core you know, talent, but he's not someone that you want to build your defense around. Another guy that I feel this way about is Bud Dupree, and I know he's coming off a serious injury. Steeler defense did start to fall apart after he got hurt. I know they lost Devin Bush, and they were still able to stay afloat. But then when Bud Dupree went out, that's really where you saw the the decline in that defense. I think he's another guy where I don't know what his market value is going to be because of him coming off the injury. I wonder if he takes like a one year somewhere. That probably seems like the most likely scenario. He's been real good the last two years. He obviously broke out last year, and he was coming on really strong this year before going down to season-ending injury. But you know, he's like a pure edge rusher, and he's someone that has a lot of speed. And uh, at first, I thought it was gonna be a bust, but he's someone that he could—I want to say take over games, but he's he could pose a lot of problems. You know, his get off—it's just damn. He could, he 
he, he surprised you sometimes. And he's someone you don't have to question his work ethic. He comes to play. He's not one of these guys that just uh, is like a two-down player. He's someone that could bring it all three down. So, no, I really actually like Bud Dupree. I think it's just a matter of, you know, how much guaranteed money you want to give him, especially coming off such a devastating injury. But uh, And it's it's a pretty stacked edge rusher. I think every year there's edge rushers on the market. It's just a matter of who do you want to invest in because you don't know – uh, who could really be a number one edge rusher? Like, I'm not sure if Dupree is that guy. Kind of like his teammate Juju Smith-Schuster. Like, these guys might be better off as number two edge rushers rather than being the, the main guy that you go for for your sacks. Yeah, like Yannick is a free agent also. I would not trust that. That I would be more skeptical of. I know he has had eight sacks in the past every year he's been in the league. I think he's been in the league, what, four years? Yeah. But he's not someone that makes an impact down to down. He's more someone that just shows flashes. Like uh, Also, three different so. teams in one year? Yeah, Mike Zimmer just didn't. He's like, all right, we don't need this. Yeah. Kind of hesitant whenever that happens with a player. Yeah, but he, and those things, like, he's never been dominant. And he's been on stacked D-lines. Because remember, he come from Jacksonville. Right, right, right. Minnesota and then Baltimore. Like, I just think teams got to know what they're looking at when it comes to wanting a, a person that could be, you know, their number one edge rusher or someone that you could rely on for a potential double-digit sack season. Give me a free agent. That's on your mind. Kenny Gardner. He... Always, like anytime you see him, it's a highlight real moment. Okay, let me ask you this. I'm glad that you mentioned him because I, you said defensive line. I think wide receiver is really stacked yeah, this year, that too. As well. Okay, rank me your top three wide receivers as far as guys you would want, and you could throw in Allen Robinson as well. Okay, like if I don't like, like. Complete packager you would want. It, it, say the Falcons were they didn't have Mount St. Julio yeah. and Calvin Ridley, and they were in the market for a wide receiver. Which one would you want on your team? I would rank it probably Robinson 1, Galladay 2, Godwin 3. And then Corey Davis 4, and then Juju Smith-Schuster 5. Wow, all the way down there. No love for Godwin? I just said Godwin oh, 3. Did. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, I'm sleeping. Yeah. Uh, what about Will Fuller? Oh, I love me some Will Fuller, but... It's just do you think he stayed healthy because of the PEDs? Wait, wait, what do you mean? Like he, I don't know. I don't know how we could connect that. Like, and then multiple players on Houston tested positive for the same supplement. Well, you saw who the strength and conditioning. Good old Brian Cushing, man. You know. Oh man, that's psychopath. That guy's just. Josh was sending me a video. He sent me a video of one time he headbutted like some dude with no helmet on. He voluntarily took his helmet off. This is the dumbest thing you can do. One of the first things I learned in high school football, mm-hmm. our coach is telling us how if a fight ever breaks out on the field, number one thing, don't take your helmet off. Even if the kid is 6'8", 320, mm-hmm. let him punch you. Yeah. doesn't matter. It's going to do more harm to him than to you. Mm-hmm. Just don't take your helmet off. And don't throw a punch, especially if you're like a receiver. Yeah. I remember Jordan Reed did it one game. I'm like, what are you doing? Dude, what about the famous site, uh, Andre Johnson? Oh, classic. Finnerty. 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 Yo, <laughs> the Falcons wide receiver, right? Wasn't he the Falcons? The white wide receiver that you guys. Brian Finnerton. Finnerton. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with these names, but. Okay. Legend. But. Uh, no, I love me some Wolf Fuller. It's just a matter of the drops are an issue, the injury history. And he's not someone that, on a week-to-week basis, is always the most dependable. But he's definitely someone that scares defense. Like you have to game plan for him because, boom, two fifty-yard plays, change the game like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know where I really want to see him go? Kansas City. Nah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yo, the Chargers. Ooh, 
because yeah, I don't think Mike Williams is going to be on the team. I would love to see Green Bay, but I'm just, I'm yeah. so, I'm so bro, putting my investment, fantasy. I'm so done putting my investment in Green Bay. Picking bro, we've been fantasy booking Will Fuller, Manny Sanders, and like Curtis Samuel. Robbie Anderson, Green, too. Yeah, every speed wide receiver to Green Bay. It's just not going to happen. They're yeah. going to enjoy MBS and Lazard. Yeah. But yo, Will Fuller with Justin Herbert. Ooh. Keenan Allen underneath. I think that could take be... a top off. Yeah, man. They got money to spend. Yeah, they're yeah. not paying Herbert. Yeah. You know, Eckler coming back too. I think that that team Justin Herbert checks all the boxes for that second year MVP pick that uh, MP and I like. Did, I, didn't I say on the end of the year recap, Bull takes, I think if he gets a new coaching staff, which he did, yeah. Uh, he could be like top five quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I think that's crazy take. I think that might be his floor next year. It could be. It's just the Chargers curse. You just worry about the organization. Yeah. yeah it's like, that's every year, too, every August, you get excited about the Chargers, and then October, it's like, why? Yep. yep. By the way, Danny Amendola, if you had to guess his age, how old do you think he is? 30, I was I was blown away. 31. 36. Oh, I thought he was a lot younger. Like, Randall Cobb is someone I think that's 36, but he's really 30. Yeah. yeah, so <laughs> yeah I, thought Danny, yo, I thought Danny Amendola was the same. Bro, Danny Amendola, I mean, off the field resume, great girls all the yeah. time. But 36 years old, I was fucking blown He's gonna away. He's going to be biting kneecaps this year, whatever oh, the whole thing at Detroit's going. That's why I want Kenny Dolly. Dog. Kenny Dolly's too good to be biting kneecaps. I want to see him flying in midair, making crazy catches. Yo, so what do you think of... Why do you have Juju so low? Uh, he's not someone that really stretches the field. He hasn't shown he could be a number one wide receiver. Like he's, I think his best attribute besides his hands is probably his toughness, which it's not a knock, but at the same time, I want receivers to do more. I just don't see Juju as someone that can really take over games. I think he needs to be someone that's with like, you know, he needs to be like a number two. Like I think Antonio Brown, like it was pretty clear that Antonio Brown really helped him, you know, not be the focal point. When we see him as the focal point, it just hasn't worked out. And I just look at I look at even someone like Corey Davis. Corey Davis, someone that could stretch the field, make those tough contested catches. Like I, I don't want to call Juju a glorified possession receiver, but he's not far off it. Yeah, yeah. There was a a meme that was going around one time, and it was I think Juju was at like a mall, and a mm-hmm. bunch of little kids ran around him, mm-hmm. and he was like catching passes in the mall, and it was like this is what it, this is what coverage is gonna look like for Juju next year yeah. without Antonio Brown right. because. You know, he was super productive those first couple of years. and Oh, he was putting up staggering numbers. Yeah. yeah. And then you realize that, like, yo, AB might have been the reason for that. Right. And I know the quarterback play has been great. Like, I'll be the first yeah, one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I just think it changes you up. But I just, you can't tell me the last two years, like, you look at Juju Smith Schuster and be like, oh, I could, he could be the number one receiver. Like, if I'm the Jets, do not spend crazy money on Juju yeah. Smith Schuster. Like, Build your team in another way. Like, he just, I think at best, he's like a really good number two. Yeah. Man, I really think, I feel the same way about Corey Davis. And he's another guy that scares me a little bit because career year, he, I mean, he would have had a thousand yards if he played, you know, the two games that he missed. Mm-hmm. He, he had 984, 985, whatever it was. I forgot which one it was when, when I saw it. But I think he's another interesting one. I think the market is going to go. It's going to skyrocket for him if the likes of Robinson, Godwin, and Godley are on the market. Because then he's probably the number one receiver teams are going to look at. And then I could see somebody overpaying. But so you're talking about if the other guys re-sign with their said teams. Yeah, he, yeah, he, you're going to have to overpay to bring them I th- in. I think because I think there's teams that need receivers, and yeah, I'm not like overly enthusiastic about Corey Davis, but look, he's still someone that's productive. And I think you know that offense definitely held them back a couple of years. I think now. 
you know, we see what he could put together. He's someone that has really good hands, really good route runner. Like, I, I definitely think he's a real talent. But once again, it's like, can he be that number one? I have serious thoughts about that. So it's just a matter of what team is going to take a chance. Like, I'm looking at teams like Washington, Miami as teams that I think could definitely invest in a big-time receiver. You know, we'll see what New England wants to do. Um, I know some people mentioned Baltimore, but I already saw a report that Baltimore is not going to sign like a Robinson or a Galladay. I don't know, Baltimore and some of Green Bay just doesn't want to spend on receivers. I don't get that. Yeah. I don't get that. You're only doing a disservice to yeah. Lamar Jackson. I don't know how they're going to build a roster, but it's just yeah, that's just the way they're doing it. Hmm. I think another interesting name is Curtis Samuel. Dude, he's 25, and he's coming off a really big year. And you utilize him in so many yeah, ways. Yeah, man. Like, that, that fact of him, like, besides, I would say, Debo Samuel, he might be, like, the best, uh, like, running receiver. I forgot what they're calling him now. Scat back? Or right back or, or wing back. I think they're called wing, wing back. back, yeah. Wing back, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it was some soccer term. But, yeah, they're starting to call these running backs. Wing, like, we see Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, Robert Woods especially, too. But I think Curtis Samuel, you literally see him getting handoffs at the backfield. End around screens yeah. downfield too, yeah. He is such a dynamic weapon, and I just give Rodgers this guy to fuck with. Everyone's yo. saying that. That's another. I'm just, but once again, am I really going to PSAL's very <laughs> own man, Curtis Samuel? Let's go. I love it, but at the same time, like I love what he did in Carolina with Joe Brady and Matt Rule, so I wouldn't mind if he stays there. So uh, I think whatever team gets him, they're getting a real dynamic talent and you can utilize in so many different ways. We haven't had a chance to talk about Carson Wentz. And the reason why I bring him up is because T.Y. Hilton is a free agent as well. And the Colts are probably going to get a receiver. Yeah, they're going to need one because right now, who is it? It's like Michael Pittman, Zach Paschal. Paris Campbell, who can't stay on the field. Yeah, who's always injured. And then uh, like nine tight ends that they throw out there. Uh I think they should be in the market for a wide receiver. And I think a speedster is what they would need because like Pittman has the size. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like God, they wouldn't really fit there. No, or... I still say I got got Goblin. Like Goblin could still move. Like you saw in the playoffs, he made some like he made a big time catch against Green Bay. You know, uh, big vertical route out of the slot. Yeah, like Goblin could move. Like I think Goblin would be a great fit there, and he's someone that I can't be a number one because I don't know if Pittman could be a number one. And you know, I think Goblin what makes him so great. He just makes the lives lives of quarterbacks so much easier because he has great hands, and you can still use him on these quick hitches and just hit him right there. And he's really good after the catch. So and an offense with Frank Reich and. I think that could be a really just beneficial movie. I just think Wentz, you just want, I think Wentz just needs at least one real reliable weapon. Just give him some sort of comfort because he's someone like he needs to get his confidence back because I, right now, I don't care what interviews he does, I think he's kind of diminished and shattered right now. I need to see, you just got to build your supporting cast as best as possible to just get his confidence back because when you see a quarterback just kind of not reading defenses and just running into sacks, that those are huge, born, you know, just huge red flags. I do think that was a product of the offensive line, though, too. Philly's yeah. offensive line was pretty banged up, man. Yeah. But I just think established quarterback shouldn't be running to sacks. Like, there were times like he would stay in the pocket and he would get protection and then he would just run to sacks and then potentially force the ball. Like, you saw games against Green Bay and Dallas. These were, you know, nationally televised games and he was, those turnovers were strictly on him. Is there anything else in free agency that you're looking at? There's some there's some offensive linemen, I think, that could move. Trent Williams, I'm very intrigued by. Trent Williams. Um, Joe Tooney. Scherf from Washington. 
Yeah, he's really just just solid, right? You talk yeah. about durable. I was telling Josh, I asked Josh, and I was like, "Yo, that's how you know you know football, bro." Mm. I asked him, "Who's the number one free agent you want to resign?" And he said him. Yeah, because everyone always goes to like the wide receivers, the running backs, whatever. But but no, Trent Williams, like, I don't think it'll happen. But I would love to see Trent Williams in Kansas City because I just never thought Eric Fisher was good. Like, mm-hmm. If they could still get rid of Fisher, I bring in Trent Williams. Like, imagine having that stellar left tackle. That would be. That would be a perfect fit, or or even Indianapolis. Imagine him and uh, Quinn Nelson together, because Costanzo, because Costanzo yeah. retired. Yeah, so that would be something. Uh, so I think Trent Williams definitely have a big part. He's he, it's a great story with him. Like the guy had like a brain issue, and then he was forced to take a year off, and then the Washington medical staff just totally misevaluated his his issues, and then now he just came back, and he had a really good. Yo, year. how does that happen with a professional sports team, man? I can understand if you go to like a random ass doctor, or even like your 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 pediatrician or whatever. We're talking about Washington. Yeah, I I think that answers it right like, there. It's just it's sad, but that's the truth. But so much dysfunction. Yeah, uh, we didn't mention Shaquille Barrett. I, I'm like I want like Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has a lot of free agents. Levante bro. David as well. Like I want to know how they're gonna somehow keep this these main core pieces because there are only three players that. Definitely have provided valuable contributions to their team and guys that they're going to depend on. Well, if you just you just look down the list, right? Mm-hmm. You got Sue, you got Gronk. Gronk, you probably bring back cheap deal. Gronk is, dude. I read somewhere that Gronk has never spent any of his salary money that he's made in his career. So it's all bonuses. He got signing sponsors bonuses. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So Shaquille Barrett, Levante David, Gronk, Sue, Fournette, AB. Um, just looking at some of these names of guys that contributed to this team. So it's but, gonna be interesting. But Barrett Center against Prime. Godwin so, yeah. too. I didn't mention Godwin. Right. Even though I think he he's someone that I think yeah. they'll look to franchise. But Tampa Bay is the one team like I would love to see them bring back all those pieces. Bro, Godwin made eight hundred twenty K last year. Wasn't like a third round pick? Yeah, but yeah, still. So yeah, I know. Fuck, yeah. dude. And another name I want to mention just because... Ryan Suckup made more than him. It's a crazy world. Unbelievable. Those rookie deals. Uh, I do want to mention, even though I know running backs are kind of, you know, people don't value him, but Aaron Jones, I'm very intrigued. I was going to ask you about Aaron Jones because I think we're both team don't pay running back or... I'm I'm always, like, hesitant because sometimes I'm like, sometimes I... So into the talent, I think Aaron Jones is one of those players that I really value the talent, what he brings. Because I look at running backs that are truly weapons. Like Aaron Jones is a weapon. Like you could use in a passing game, he is going to make a difference there. You know, outside of Derrick Henry, I need a running back that I want a running back that could obviously make a huge difference during the passing game. Someone that could catch 60, 70 passes and you know, if there's a game where our receivers aren't really getting open, you could get him and create some mismatches. I think Aaron Jones is definitely that player. Will Green Bay bring him back? I highly doubt. It. I just don't see them viewing him in that way. But I think Aaron Jones is worth it. Like, and the thing is, like, you could say, all right, don't pay running backs. But I don't see what the big issue is if you want to give him like a two-year deal. Like, if you do like a two-year, twenty million dollar deal, I don't think that really puts handicaps you as badly as it would be. Like, I just don't see star running backs unless you're like a Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, like. You're not running backs to hit the market aren't getting four or five year deals anymore. I just don't see it with the way running backs are these days and how things fluctuate. But you get Aaron Jones like a two year, twenty million dollar deal, like a team like Miami or even Buffalo, because Buffalo has money. The Buffalo was very close to signing JJ Watts. So if Buffalo just wants to get even crazier and bring in Aaron Jones. 
just make that offense even more dangerous. Like I could, I could see as a good fit. What does Atlanta do with Gurley? I'm not sure if Todd Gurley's gonna be in the league next year. Wow. And that's not a hot take either. He nah, I know. he is very diminished. Oldest 27 year old athlete I think I've ever seen. Yeah, like he just those those chronic knee issues coming out of Georgia. It was real and caught up to him, man. Yeah, like he just did. luckily for There's him no he juice. made some money. He, he got could, paid. He could go be an analyst somewhere. Like I think he, he's very likable personality yeah. wise. Yeah. So um, we haven't really talked about quarterback market. I know Cam did an interview with Brandon Marshall. He's I always love Cam Newton's passion, even though I just don't see how a team goes into next year with him as a definitive starter. I think maybe he goes to Washington, put him in a competition with Heineke. I think that's a likely route. Or it would be cool. Imagine if he goes to New Orleans and him and Jameis compete as like two of the most ignorant quarterbacks. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Yo, you know, I don't know if I would give up on Cam, though, man. I feel like Cam, it's not like he had Kansas City weapons or even Giant weapons. It's not bad with that. I just I just think the beatings he's taken. Like, you just look at him physically, you just can't do the same. Like, some of the, like just some of the throws he made last year, I'm like, ugh. Yeah. But maybe in a more, you know, obviously you want more talent around, but maybe just a more refined offense he could do, he could be better. But it's just, I look at his arm, I'm just like, ah, oh, man. He just he can't make the throws that he can make a couple years ago. Like he's had so many surgeries at this point, but he's still someone that obviously should still be in the league, and I think he should be competing for a starting role. I just don't know how many teams could be offering that. I don't think it's New England. Yo, legends! I want to tell you guys a little bit about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and you don't know where to start. Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, this is really the best part, you get all of this for $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for the initial setup fee. Now, here's the thing. For those of you that might not know about podcasting, you have to go to a host site. You upload your episode on there. You put the description of the bio and everything in between in that. And then from there, that gets pushed out to your Spotify app, to your Apple app, to your Stitcher app. Blue Wire is doing this for you. And it is absolutely tremendous. It's literally the same cost as some of the other hosting sites. And you're getting all this other extra shit, which is dope as hell with this program. Personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters. Yeah, I know. You're wondering if I'm in that. Yeah, absolutely. Access to the community Discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks, man. This is this is the best bang for your buck. And I know there's some of you guys that are already in this program. So congrats to you on getting in so whether you're starting from scratch or you have an existing show that you want to grow hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience acceptance into the program is limited so you can get your application in today to apply go to bwhustle.com join check out the description box for this episode to find out more but that's bwhustle.com join enough about nfl all season i'm sure we'll have more chances to talk about it I am super pumped for this weekend's fight card. UFC 259, Blakovic, Adesanya, pay-per-view of the year. Top to bottom, man. You're talking about stacked 
I, th- I feel like the prelims could be a a fight night card. How are you feeling about this weekend? Yeah, the way they've assembled it. Uh, you look at from the main card down, and then you know Dom Cruz with the headliner of the prelims. Like it, they have some of these times where it just they just go above and beyond. Usually they serve for Fourth of July, but something about this week just or this card in general, everything aligned. I don't understand how Dominic Cruz is an underdog to Casey Kenny. It's weird. So he's like plus 120 from a betting perspective. I find that a little interesting. Are they just worried that he just kind of diminished at this point? Like, I thought he was competitive the second round against Saudo. Yeah, he just got clipped. Yeah. And, and, you know, he had the big incident with uh, Keith, Keith Pearson. Pearson. Imagine if Keith Pearson's a referee. That's nah, <laughs> there's no way they do that. Um, do Well, if you have an issue with a ref, do they have you not call? Your I think it depends who you are. I think Cruz has enough power where he could say it. Like I remember, uh, Lesnar didn't want Mazagati ever again. Oh, I mean, dude, who yeah. wanted him? Yo, yeah. he hasn't refed. Since. Well, no, he's be- no. This is back in the day before like they said enough's enough. But I think after when he got knee barred by Mir, they're like because he was late. Like Lesnar was tapping, but like Mazagati didn't stop until like four seconds later, and Lesnar basically made the man. I don't want this guy to be my ref. So I think if you're like a real star and you have leverage, you could do it. And, and you know, Cruz, he's a commentator. He works for the UFC. So I think he definitely has a stake in it. I want to work from sort of like the bottom down, right? Because this is a really stacked card. And, man, there's a fight on the prelims that I – like the early prelims, Alan, where this kid, Sean Brady, he's fighting Jake Matthews. Mm-hmm. Two big prospects, Sean Brady undefeated. I feel like Jake Matthews, he's from Australia, he's been a prospect for like four years now. Yeah, but yeah. he's he's on a winning streak right now, mm-hmm. and so is Brady. And Brady, I I know him, I've met him, really cool dude, fought at CFFC. He was a champion at CFFC at 170. At the time that he left CFFC, the president of that organization, which is one of the better regional promotions in, in MMA, Felder, Anthony Smith, Jared, Caitlin Chikagian is from there too. They said that he was the best prospect at the time that he left to go to the UFC. Wow, that's, that's high, high praise, praise man. Yeah. That's high praise. And he's been really impressive in his first two fights in the UFC. And that is going to be a sleeper fight to be potentially fight of the night. Two guys that are super durable. And you might be looking at a future top 10 guy right here between Jake Matthews and, and Sean Brady, whoever wins that. Command of the division, too. Yeah. Because we all know about that division. Yeah, yeah. Walter Wade is pretty pretty stacked, man. And then and when you go into prelims, like you mentioned, Dominic Cruz against mm-hmm. Casey Kenny. Um, Benavidez, first time back after losing to Figueredo. I'm shocked he's still fighting. I thought he was done. But good for him. He's so durable. Yeah, it's so weird with him, right? Like him, Yoel Romero, guys that are 0 and 4, 0 and 5 in title fights. Hey, Yoel Romero's doing it right though. You want to you want to talk about blockbuster fight year? You know what's the number one fight year? Him against Rumble Johnson. Like, I don't think Belter has ever put on a fight that just I need to see this. Yeah. Like the fact that they did Rumble against Romero, you want to talk about the freaks of freaks fights? Oof. And also, my favorite thing that they did with that is they didn't try to make it that, oh, it's going to be the final. No, they just went for it. And that's always been Scott Coker's thing. Uh, they did that back on the Strike Force days when there was the heavyweight tournament. Um, they 
they like made the instant matchups. Like they were just like, okay, we want to pair who with who. Like, I think it was Fedor. They wanted to have Fedor fight. I think it was Bigfoot, and they made it right away. Or I think it was Fedor was supposed to be fighting Overeem, but maybe the contract kind of messed up. I just remember like Scott Coker's guy. If he sees a fight, he's gonna make it happen. That's it. Like we, we want to put on a show. So suits so him, and he's always been kind of big on tournaments. Yeah, I kind of like the tournament model. Right. It's pretty interesting. But I also like the fact that, dude, it's fighting, mm-hmm. right? Someone could get clipped. Someone could get caught in like an arm triangle. And then before you know it, you might, as a fan, you're watching the bracket. You're like, yo, Romero rumble in the yeah. final. That's going to be lit. And then all of a sudden. No, just going to make it happen. Yeah, yo, just give it to us right away. Right. And it's going to create intrigue right mm-hmm. off the bat. So why not? Yeah. Uh, main card, though, is where we're at. I mean, the opener is Tiago Santos against uh, Rakic. Um Santos coming off a loss. Rakic coming in with momentum. He's the favorite. Makachev is the heir apparent to Habib, per Habib. Fighting Drew Dober, a super tough, durable guy. Uh, and then we have the three title fights, man. I'm really fascinated by Santos Rakic. Rakic is a huge prospect coming out of you know, bulk countries. Like, I don't think there's been a like, Balkan prospect like this in a long time. And he's someone that has so much range and like just his kickboxing. I think he could pose a lot of problems. But as you know, with Santos, he just consistently goes forward. Mm-hmm. And the, the power he has, he could catch. If he catches him, it's it's a, it's a real good styles clash. I think it's a great opener. And, and the vision that kind of needs buzz, I think this is the two guys that's like, okay, you could get contender at this. Well, I feel like that division has buzz now that Adesanya is going to compete for the belt. How how consistent can he be with it? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Let, let, let's talk about that. I was going to say that for a little later. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Adesanya going up to 205? Did I, you hear that he's... he's? It's like 193? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of problematic. I don't know. That scares me a little bit, man. Yeah. like I know he's, he's a big favorite, too, bro. He's like minus 250. Understandably so. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. He's a sensation, but... Jan, by the way, has been an underdog in seven of his last eight fights. Because he used to be a journeyman. Like right. I, I know it's hard. And, I, I hate that term, but he really was. And his only time that he was the favorite, he lost to Santos. Wow. Like his last fight at 185, and right. then they both went up. Wow. I, I do forgot think, he was 185. I do think Adesanya took this opportunity because he's a former 185-er. And there's not much in that division right now. Yeah. So. I mean, he's he's wiped out the whole division. Yeah. The uh, Adesanya has. I mean, and it, to be a two division champion, not many people can claim that. Yeah. Other, other than um, Cormier, Cormier, Connor, Nunez. BJ Penn, Nunez, like uh, I think Randy Couture as well. Like, not many fights claim that. Like being called oh, GSP, of course. Like, but but at the same time though, too. Yeah, the simultaneous. Time, yeah. It's I only been like ha- three people having. Two belts like that, it's it's a huge thing to put on your resume. So that's why I, I applaud Asanya for going for it. Do you think it's a, it's a win-win situation for Asanya here? Because in the event that he does lose, sure, he loses his undefeated streak because he's 20 and 0 right now. Right. And logically, he's the only real threat to a, catching like a Habib, mm-hmm. right? Hasn't really taken any damage in the UFC outside of the Gastelum fight, which is... Crazy that Gasolum gave. That's why MMA is so weird, bro. Matchups, matchups. Yeah, yeah, it's all about matchups. But I think with Adesanya, man, Jan, I could see it being very similar to the Paulo Costa fight. Adesanya just he knows the Polish power thing. They'll be prepared for it. Leg kicks, keep him at bay, keep him at bay. Mm-hmm. Eventually, 
He'll get overzealous, come in, get caught. Yeah, because I, I don't view Blockwitz as someone that's very patient. He's just someone that wants to throw. He headhunts a lot. Like He's very aggressive, and I could see him getting frustrated pretty quickly. And Asanya knows that play with dudes. Like Mentally, he just breaks people down, mm-hmm. and then he catches them, and it's a wrap. Yeah. Man, he's. Uh, I think he's become my favorite fighter, man, out of Same here. He's, he, he's incredible in some ways. Like, to me, he's must-watch. Yeah. Yeah, like... The way Jones was coming up, I view him that way now. But what makes, but like he, the buzz he's getting is like John Jones, but his skill set resembles more of Anderson Silva. Mm. Yeah. Are you giving Jan a chance in this fight? A slight chance, just because you never know what kind of game plan is. Maybe he's working on his wrestling. You know, he's you know, obviously he has the strength advantage. Like you never know what. Like he's has someone has experience with five rounds as well. I feel like a lot of. These uh, opponents that Anasanya's had, they've only fought three rounds. So I think I think Blockowitz, with his experience, you know, he has the cardio. I don't think cardio is going to be an issue for him. I think it's just a matter of, you know, how does he implement his game plan and how can he close the distance? Because if he doesn't close the distance, it's a wrap. Yeah. But, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give him that. Like, I think if he could somehow take Anasanya down, control him, dirty box him, I'll give him that. Dirty box. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see it. I, I don't see either. No, I think, I, 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 Asanya, I think really. Asanya washes him, which is why like, I know it's a cool fight, but I don't like I don't get the buzz for it. But you know, it's fascinating, and plus it's Asanya, so okay. You know, I find it. I'm gonna find it really weird when I see them weigh in, like when they show the graphic of you know where you're from, all that, your weight. It's gonna be a 205 fight, and he's gonna be like 194. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot like because Anderson went up for a couple 205 fights, but. I think you weighed around like 198, 200. Dude, did you hear Dustin Poirier this week say how much he weighs? Yeah, it's not a surprise. You weren't surprised by him being in the 190s to fight at 155? And even when he fought at 145? Khabib Khabib used to weigh 200. Like Khabib weighs 200. (sighs) Tony Ferguson weighs 200. Bro. Like these fighters, that's just what they do. I'll tell you this much. I met Paulo Costa in Vegas. Mm -hmm. Had to be at least 225, 230. Yeah, he was just bloated. They put massive. They just pull weight. And then, I told him, I was like, dude, I can't believe you weigh at 185. And he goes like that. He just grabs his stomach. Yeah. Eat, eat. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> I can definitely tell. Okay. Um, the other most compelling fight from a betting standpoint as well, too, is Jan versus Sterling. Uh, it's essentially a pick em. Mm-hmm. I think I picked against Jan in the last like five fights that he's had. I feel like a lot of people have. He doesn't do it for me. I don't know why. There's just something about him that I don't know if it's because he's Russian, but I like Habib. But he just I doesn't. I, I don't think he has many highly real moments. He's not that explosive. He's just more of he's like a tactician where he just breaks people down. Like that that moment he had, I think against Aldo, where he just like I think that was the coolest thing where it was like a weird exchange and he just sweeped his leg and just planted him. Mm-hmm. That was cool, but like. I don't know, Jan doesn't have many flashy moments. It's more of a grind, but not a wrestler grind. He's just, it's just more of striking. Like, he's just a very balanced fighter. While Sterling is Mr. Explosive, you know, he's someone that I think has been coming on over the past few years and uh, tremendous wrestler, you know, someone that, you know, on the ground. Once he gets your back, ooh, things can get ugly quick. And I think people are just genuinely excited to see someone from New York emerging because, you know, it's been a while since, like, a Ray Longo, Matt Serra guy has been kind of headliner after Wyman's downfall like hasn't really been anyone emerging so to see someone there because everyone loves Ray Longo Matt Sarah those are the, the those are the guys right there once you get them in their core and they start yelling you just start cracking up like who doesn't love them 
And I think Sterling's just a very fun-loving person and someone that you can really get behind. So it's it's a really cool fight. I think Sterling, uh, with his experience and just his wrestling ability, I think he could push Dion. Uh, it's a, it's a, it is a true 50-50. Mm. It definitely is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. The other fight on the car that's for a belt is is the biggest favorite Amanda Nunez has been in a fight. Minus 1250 against Megan Anderson. Meaning, for you to win $100, Alan, you got to put $1,250 up. Would you? For Amanda Nunez, yeah. 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 I don't I don't know what can happen in this division for her at one forty five. I think it's just more of a showcase fight. She retire after this, you think? Just had a kid. What more do you have to prove? If she's got the money, then yeah, might as well. The only logical fight for her would be Valentina at like one thirty five. I don't think she wants to cut. She doesn't want to cut and also her thing is like, yo, I'm two and zero against her. Yeah. Even though I thought she lost the second fight. Mm Like, what else? You know, just, I just think that there's nothing for her to do. You would really be doing it for the love of the sport. Right. Besides that, like, you have nothing to prove. You've just beaten everyone in your division, everyone in your path, convincingly, too. Yeah. And that's about it, really. It's just a lot of the showcase. Like, I know everyone raised about the cyborg fight, which was obviously memorable. But when she did Holly Holm was yeah real eye open. With a head kick, too. Like, because we were watching that fight, and I thought it was going to be like a 25-minute tactical battle. It would have its moments. But obviously, I thought Nunes would you know, win a close decision. No, she just planted Holly Holm. And Holly Holm's very hard to piece up like that. So, yeah, I think like she's the greatest female fighter ever, Amanda Nunes. And you're, you're right, like, what's that left to accomplish? Unless she just wants a couple more paydays, it's understandable, fine. But like, Megan Anderson's very raw. Like, I expect Amanda Nunes to pump her from the beginning i think it's just there's a huge gap of you know technical ability and also just experience so but look everyone likes a good showcase fight and let you know who doesn't want to see man news do her thing i don't know man it's i don't like fights like that where it's so just it's, it's gotta stay busy yeah like there's i don't like fights where i can't see one person winning that's been John Jones fights. I mean, think about it. I know they've been close than we initially expected, but but like which ones though? Like, they wouldn't think he was, Santos was going to be competitive. Anthony Smith, even Reyes, like well, Anthony Anthony Smith, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't see Anthony Sp- Smith beating him. I remember when, Santos, what? Josh kind of talked me into Santos a little bit. He's just a fanboy, boy. yeah, fanboy love for sure. But also his power, it made sense. And he looked good when he went up to 205. And then, like, Reyes. And there's been other fights, like Teixeira, OSP. Like, Jones fought a lot of people that are just, it was just like, okay, Levels. let's Sean Jones. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. I want to ask you one last thing before we move on from UFC talk. And it's, what do you think happens at 170? You think it's going to be Usman and Masvidal? I would say so. Like, I don't know why they still have the ultimate fighter. Like, I don't know if they're, they're trying to get a feud to be on there. Because if that's the case, then they're going to book it. Yeah. But if there's no ultimate fighter, then they got some options. Because obviously you still have Covington ups out there. I think that's the fight you should make, though. Usman Covington? Nah, Mazeldal. Oh, Mazeldal Covington? Yeah, because... No, no. Mazeldal, Mazeldal Usman. And the reason why I say that is because... Short camp? The short camp, yeah. Yeah. 
At least give him a chance to have a full camp. Because then if Usman beats him then, there's no more excuses. Right, right. Now you have... And, and we were talking about how that was a win-win situation for Masvidal at the time. Mm-hmm. Where he had the built-in reason. Yeah, I took this fight on six days to save the event. And we did like 1.2 million pay-per-view buys or whatever they did. It was, mm-hmm. you know, in the millions. So... For me, it was a win-win for Mazadol because if he would have won that fight, like his legend would have skyrocketed even more right. in superstardom because you had all these excuses built yeah. in. But if you do that, I think it kind of just eliminates Mazadol from the picture, the title picture. Right, because I think Usman wants it. I, I think Dana is now becoming more, um, I guess, understanding of like what his champions want. Like if his champions want some mud, he's going to try to book it, especially if the tension's there. So, yeah, I think it's understandable. I just, he did that with Adesanya when he called out Romero. Right. He's like, I want Romero, even though he's not really deserving yeah. of a title shot. Like, I think if the champions have built an impressive resume, and Usman had, clearly has, I think he's going to be more uh, negotiable when it comes to it. So, uh, I don't know. I like to see I like to see more fights, at, big fights at 170. I feel like the division's been a little stagnant recently. Like, you don't see that many big time fights like i'm wondering what's gonna happen with wonder boy because he's always fascinating he's interesting too mm. he's interesting too that would be a really good stylist clash for i would have liked to see leon and wonder boy that's not people we forget about him he he's fighting when like, Bilal. next weekend next weekend, okay, weekend. I, I know next he's weekend. fighting soon yeah that's another like, these guys gotta be fighting each other like you know respectable i know he's a very likable man and should be a, it's a big fight. test, huge, huge step up. But for me, like, you we gotta see Edwards fighting Covington and Mazda. Yeah. Like, you want to see top fivers fighting each other, and it's just a lot of these guys are just playing horrible negotiation and just very frustrating. Yep, yep. All right, last thing this is for real. The last All thing, right. uh, 155. What do you think happens? Who, who fights for the belt? They're gonna do the trilogy, and everyone's gonna be pissed off. All fighters gonna be pissed off. Yeah, <laughs> I think the trilogy's gonna happen. So Connor, Dustin, trilogy. I just think the, the that's where the buzz is at. I think th- there's gonna be more talk of it from a buzz yeah. standpoint. Yes. Yeah. Now, and po- and Poirier's campaigning for it yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't he? Right. He said he made the. I guess cool as would be to see a Chandler Oliveira. I just don't see it happening. And you always got the Nate Diaz wild card. So I want to see Gaethje Chandler. That'd be a Not for fest. the belt, obviously. Yeah, no, that'd be a true slugfest. And They're then, very similar. And then Oliveira gets the winner of whoever. If if they do, mm-hmm. if they do Poirier, Connor, Oliveira should get that title shot. Yeah, it, but you also take into account like what. You know, how these, who's going to be healthy? Like, it's yeah. always, it's just, I don't know. That's why I just wish they could book things quicker. Like, yeah. I know it's hard to negotiate, but like, things just have to be more clear. I feel like 155, 170, you just have all these contenders and you just have to wait to see when things can get booked. Like, everything for months is just unclear. It's like, okay, these two should clearly fight, but we're waiting now, what, four or five months? So I think that's the frustrating factor. But I think also, Connor could use like Connor won that first round, mm-hmm. and I think he could use that for leverage. And it's not like he really needs leverage. If Connor wants to fight, they're gonna book it. Yeah. So and like, who doesn't want to see a good trilogy? Like you saw with Stipe and Cormier. Yeah. So and yo, you don't really get many opportunities for trilogies. True. Right. Like, especially this one's unique because 
They first fall in 2014. 2014. Yeah. Connor wins via knockout. Mm-hmm. Stoppage for Poirier. That was at 145. Yeah. 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 All right. I'm excited for Poirier, though. I think it's one of the best stories to happen in MMA in a long time. I mean, he, it's very, it's very similar to him and Masvidal, right? Like two guys who they were, I don't want to say journeymen, but they've been around for a while. They've taken their deflating losses. Yeah, yeah. and they've sort of hit superstardom towards not... Mazeldal's older than him. Yeah. And I know they have ties yeah. to, you know, them two are friends. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, like, Poirier, he's only 32, mm-hmm. right? Mazeldal's a lot older than him. But I think, like, Mazeldal and Poirier, they've been around for mm-hmm. so long. Like, they're grizzled vets in yeah. the game, and they've seen more of their success at the tail end of their career. Yeah, to me, they're like the personification of perseverance. Both yeah. of them have, they've been countless five round battles, they've taken their losses, but just, they got the streaks and like they're always a threat and they're always gonna put on a show. Yeah. So that's what makes it. and then and people want to see violence. To me, they're like the embodiment of violence yeah. as well. So yeah. What happens with Nate, bro? Where's Nate at? He did an interview with Ariel. Stuck! Yeah, he did an interview with Ariel. He wants to keep fighting at 170. I don't know. I maybe he's tired of weight cutting, but I I Nate said he wants to fight in April and then wants to fight again in May. Oh, not in May, or like later in the summer. So I think Nate will fight. It's just a matter of what division. Mm-hmm. Like I think he his best weight class is one fifty five. But I think at this point in his career, does he want to weight cut? Because he's got to get tired of cutting all this weight. And Nate's like Nate's not a massive one. Like I think Diaz would be the perfect one sixty five pound fighter. You know, certain fighters yeah, that yeah, yeah. fit division one sixty five. I think Diaz would be perfect. I don't think he's big enough for one seventy to like really contend. But he might be too big for one fifty five. Well, this was fun, man. It was good to see you. Yes, it's been a while. Wow. So thank you for stopping by. Thank you for remembering where I live. Yeah, very important. <laughs> uh, we'll probably watch the card together this weekend, I would, I would assume. We usually watch all the pay-per-views. We try to, yeah. 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 Um, dude, I went to a bar for the first time during COVID last last Saturday. I went. To, I was at a bar too. But what, what were you there for? Just because it was Saturday. And oh, okay. I didn't know if there was I had, a sport. No, nah, I had Josh and Ahmed came on the pod. That yeah. episode's going to be up in a couple of weeks. And... They were just like, yo, we're going to go to a bar. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, yeah, why not? Yeah. Like, we were already drinking a little bit on the show. I'm like, fuck it, why not, man? Right. It's cool to be out. <laughs> I was like, fuck. You had to eat, though, right? Like, yeah, you had yeah, to eat. Yeah. That was the only requirement, right. which, whatever. Yeah, I mean, usually cool. when I go to a bar and I drink, I get something to munch right, on right, anyway. Right. Uh, all right. Nick Chavez, Christopher Velasquez, Daniel Gibson, Derek Plates, Devin Rendon, Jake Powers, Corey Johnson Hoops, Mike Wozniak, and Ryan Pisner, thank you for your monthly contributions to the Patreon. Big ups to a new member of the Patreon, first time, long time, Jordan Richard with a Joe Burrow profile pick. So thank you all for your contributions. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. You can get episodes like the Six Pack, which are Patreon exclusives only. We've been getting some really good feedback from these. People really like them. The episodes go from anywhere from 12 to 30 minutes long. Anytime I have a guest on, they do a six-pack, unless it's like, you know, Alan's done this already, so we're not going to have Alan ask the same questions again. Um, but, yeah, uh, it means a lot. The support means a lot. And be on the lookout for March. We're going to set up a NCAA bracket for the members of the Patreon. Got to be in the $10 tier or higher. Going to give out some stuff from the show. As you can see in the videos, I'm wearing a crew neck, which is also available if you DM Veterans Minimum, whether on Twitter or on Instagram. At the Lamp Show is where you can find me. At Veterans Minimum is where you can find everything for the show. 
Alan, my guy, where can they find you? Alan underscore Sturt. That's A-double-L-E-N. Oh, wait. Hold on. I'm totally watching this. There's no more underscore. Yeah, I've been so happy. Yeah, I got rid of underscore. Let's go. Out- finally. Too outdated. Yes. It's lowercase now. We're going all lowercase. A-double-L-E-N. No underscore. A-double-L-E-N-S-T-R-K. Nice, yo. Make me proud. <laughs> I love it. Now, hopefully one day I can get my real name and then we can all rock and roll and move forward. Guys. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the episode. Hope you enjoy the fights. And we'll catch you guys next time. Not to be cocky, but all of you watching while I'm in the cup paying property bills. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com